record. All right. Now we're recording. Good boy. What a day. What a day. All right. Welcome. As I spit on my microphone. All right. Welcome to the Brett Jagger, Beaumont Rand, Brain Buster Boys cut. Yes. As we're calling it. Super secret. Which has also been known in some circles as episode zero. Yes, yes, yes. And this being an intro to episode zero, or the Jagger Rand cut, as you're about to hear, um, we wanted to give you, the listeners, for all the love and support you've shown us over this uh, journey thus far, a little uh, look behind the scenes, so to speak, uh, to the first real Brain Buster Boys recording on, I believe it was November 5th of yeah. 2020. It, it, it sure was. Yeah. And, and the, fun, the funny part about this whole thing is like, you know, we made this episode, you know, thinking it was going to be first and then we deliberately hid it from you all. <laughs> you know, like it was deliberately kept from you all because we, you know, didn't feel like we knew what we were doing. You know, we but needed to. There were some yeah. recording issues that you'll hear, which again, we're keeping this pretty uncut uncensored from the original recording so and you know it was a ton of fun we both listened to this this week I think you know we've heard I don't even know if we'd heard bits and pieces but first time obviously since November and it was you know interesting in many ways first off just right off the bat this preceded this was the go home dynamite before full gear so in terms of like AEW storylines that's where we were at so it was the MJF Jericho match where if MJF won, he got to join the inner circle. And we discussed all that and kind of what was going to happen. And Bo, I think you even said it. You're like, you know, and we both thought MJF was going to win, but we're like, you know, this isn't going to be just an easy, you know, union. And, you know, it seemed as such for several months, but we learned mm -hmm. recently that MJF was kind of playing them and, did break up the inner circle as we foreshadowed in this cut. Yeah, and uh, also, yeah, um, I guess to, you know, um, be fully transparent um, in case the WWE folks are listening, you know, this is prior to, um, you know, when our new contract states, when we, yes. you know, have Good to stop call. talking about AEW. So this yep. is technically all all legal for us. So thank you for um, pointing that out. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all uh, lawyers, personal injury, uh, yep or uh, other kinds or law students even yes uh yeah we're good but uh but yeah that that was you know a big topic of conversation um you know and uh yeah i mean like you know with a heel like mjf that's something you see coming from a mile away yeah uh, but they really kept this story going for a little longer than i thought it would then you know yeah. then again like i've learned so much more about wrestling now and back yeah. then, I mean, I was barely going to know these characters. Well, so here's what I'll tell you that I was pretty impressed with in listening back was your kind of commentary on the show and on the wrestlers because it was our, our first time really talking about it, you know, on a microphone, of course. Exactly. So, you know, person to person. But, like, I, it was pretty dang good about how it translated. And you had, you know, a lot of great comments, as you hear on this recording, about – you know, kind of stepping back from the wrestling and, you know, analyzing it from a story perspective as you have largely continued to do. But again, just in general, your comments about the wrestling itself, I thought was pretty great, you know, yeah. for this being the inaugural. Oh, thank you, Freddie. And to return the compliment, you know, obviously you uh, have steered the ship this whole time, um, you know, with the uh, 
all right. This is, <laughs> the, yeah, and with the all right, this is the Brain Buster Boys helm. And, uh, you know, you'll, it's not like you're going to listen to this episode and hear a completely foreign thing. You know, you're just going to hear, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like recording stuff. issues yeah. aside, it sounds, you know, largely like a normal early, you know, first five, six episodes of our show. So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, we were having a lot of fun. Um, I guess one thing, uh, you'll notice a really bad echo in some parts, and I tried <laughs> fixing, it, fixing it in editing. I was just getting back into editing, shaking the rust off, just bastardized the whole thing completely. We were, rec- again, we were recording like 18 inches apart. We yeah, were like we were right very, there. Yeah, we were very close to one another. In fact, we only tried to record in that same location one other time, which is when I had my famed meltdown, which we've referred to early on in the show, which again, I don't know where we would be at had all that not happened. You know, oh, yeah. like, that's Two. another kind of moment as well was I guess z- episode 0.1. Yeah. Until, uh, we, which, until, until we went down to the basement and found ourselves. Yeah. And then really yeah. found ourselves in the cork port, AKA mm-hmm. my bedroom in yeah. editing uh, episode two, which, you yeah. know, we've kind of credited, uh, as really the, you know, the launching point or crystallization of at least the beginning directions of the brain buster boys. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll dredge up that meltdown for another kind of like, break <laughs> I was actually talking about like, that with better the yeah. other day, like yeah. that foot next, you know, I got to hear it first. Like I'm yeah. going to be okay with, but I got pretty, pretty dark and pretty heated in the moment for yeah. various reasons. But, uh, mm. I think that could be a potential Jagger Rand cut two stuff down the line for sure. Uh, Just another thing I noted, just a couple other little things. Uh, Mm -hmm. I said the phrase, if you recall a lot, Uh, which again is the reason that happened, especially in episode one and two, like in two is when I started pointing it out myself. Mm -hmm. So that happened again here. We do our dynamite top five, which stuck, uh, you know, for a little bit, you know, yeah. Stuck at least in the beginning. Um, reference i referenced the power rankings that we never did (laughs) that was always something we'd you know thought about doing and you know honestly i thought and maybe we will when we get into wwe we just start fresh like hey Mm -hmm. we're coming in out of the blue let's fucking power rank and just see what happens or maybe we don't but uh yeah just one of those things that we talked about that never materialized yeah and you know you'll you'll hear a lot of things that did materialize you know our can stuff you know, um, us talking about, you know, movies, you know, it's uh, definitely um, got some neat, you know, like you'll hear also conversations happening like before the recording of that, like us spitballing mm-hmm. um, in kind of segments. Movies and whatnot. And there's, we specifically it, so it goes dynamite and then we do our top five, then we do our picks of full gear, which I didn't write them down, but I think you may have actually beaten me. Interesting. Did I? Enough. Oh my yeah. God. I think so. And then we actually end with a few, you know, five, 10 minutes specifically about the Turner tarp, yeah. uh, which the concept we introduced in the beginning. So, uh, boy, that certainly all uh, ended up playing a pretty big role in things. Huh there, brother? Yeah, it sure did. Like, you know, it was weird to listen to us talk about the Turner tarp in such like a whimsical, like casual. non-threatening, casual, <laughs> like benevolent way. And then, you yeah. know, it became a uh, matter of life or death ultimately. But uh, <laughs> You know, uh, bygones are bygones. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was fun to look back on this. Um, It was fun to listen to this, to see not only how much we've grown, but like, you know, um, a lot of what we did there 
in episode zero is is still here you For know sure. and uh yeah i mean i think that's just a testament to you know just how much we care about the project, you know, from day one until now, you know, we've allowed it to grow organically and, and, you know, you see, you'll see the seed yep. uh, in oh, this yeah. footage. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So we hope you enjoy and we very much look forward to your feedback and thank you again for all your support. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we love you. We love you all so much. And um, do keep posted to Twitter for our re new release schedule. Cause as you know, we'll be covering three wrestling shows now as opposed to one yep. for WWE. So things are going to be a little different. Um, we've had conversations. We don't know exactly when we're going to be doing our releasing, but please stay tuned. Um, not only will we update you, but VGM will be doing that as well. Yep. We're thinking still likely Sundays, but uh, yeah, stay tuned. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Wonderful. All right, guys. Love you. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Peace. Brainbuster Boys are brought to you by Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to the first episode of the Brain Buster Boys. I am Brett Jagger along with Beaumont Rand. Hey, everybody. Hell yeah. Well, Brain Buster Boys. So what are we doing here? Let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing here. So we're going to be talking a lot of professional wrestling. That's not all we're going to talk about. Like I said, we're going to talk about TNT and Turner and all the hilarious, sometimes shitty, sometimes great films, shows, and anything that are on that network surrounding AEW Dynamite. And we're just going to riff about pop culture, about, you know, it's going to be all kept in a wrestling lens here. Like, we're not going to be talking about sports unless it's somehow relevant. I mean, for anyone who knows me knows I love wrestling and, frankly, have grown a much, much deeper and more emotional connection to the product over the past, you know, three, four years. And a large reason of that is All Elite Wrestling, AEW. We'll get more into that. Um, but myself as a diehard fan or a mark, as it's known in the business, and Beaumont. Uh, jobber. He's a jobber. I'm a jobber. Okay. But, but I was going to say, you're more of a casual, you know, you grew up a fan. You, you know about wrestling, but essentially this started, I was planning on starting a wrestling podcast anyway, and he's going to be the jobber, but in a way, I'll be educating him, I'll be educating you, and we'll be learning from each other, and we're going to have a lot of fucking laughs throughout this, we're going to be geeking out, we're going to be having fun, and uh, hopefully we can keep you around. Yeah, that's that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, my hope is that I can take a, take a good look at the story and... Uh, Find something in it that many people who watch, you know, movies, TV shows, um, that, that, that you can kind of connect to, that you can kind of figure out, oh, yeah, this is why I like wrestling. So, uh, And I will tell you, Bo, that 
you know, I grew up a big fan. My brother got me into it. It was probably 1997. Uh-huh. Remained pretty largely into wrestling till about 2001 or yeah. so. And I dipped out for eight years. Yeah. And then I got back in in college in 2009. WWE having uh-huh. a blast. We ordered every pay-per-view. Yeah. You know, that went on for seven, eight yeah. years because I didn't know any better. Um, but then I was able to stumble into New Japan Pro Wrestling, which uh, <laughs> changed my life, which is kind of weird. But like, I got so invested and so deep into New Japan initially, and then now AEW. Uh-huh. Like watching some of this New Japan shit, you know, their shows are overnight, so you got to watch them first thing in the morning usually. Yeah. Like I'm crying in my bed at 10 a.m. because yeah. the story is that fucking good. That good. You know, it's not. I'm yes, we all know wrestling is quote unquote fake here. Yeah. It's scripted, but they're really telling a story, and it's another medium for that. And when they tell the stories well, they hook you. And, yeah, it's a Sunday morning. I'm sitting Indian-style in my bed crying when Tetsuya Naito beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome because it was a six-year story that finally paid off. So that's what we're going to be doing here. We're going to be talking about the storytelling of wrestling, also the hijinks and the fun. And, yeah, I'm going to get in the nitty-gritty talk of five stars and scale breakers and really analyzing a match, but we're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it fun. And, you know, I think we're going to have a really good time doing it. You know, the one of the game, wrestling game, or the wrestling game I played the most was uh, WCW and WO Revenge. So, yeah. yeah um, so, our fake wrestling league, the WWA, the World Wrestling Association, you used to be able to rename all the characters. Oh, yeah. And we renamed all the characters and made them our That's WWA sick. characters. Yeah. Yeah, I will have to talk about the WWA. Oh, absolutely. What happened there? Because I have some real clear <laughs> memories of the, yeah. the storyline. I love that. Yeah, we could do like a whole episode, not a whole, but like featured video games yeah. or like that game specifically. Like that's the thing. I think we have a floating segment each week, whether it's New Japan, because like I said, yeah. that's not going to yeah. be every week. Sure. Um, but just like kind of just different every week. Exactly. Yeah. And that could be one. Like let's talk about WCW, NWO, and we can hype it the week uh, before. Yeah. No, exactly. And have that open spot. Let's rock and roll. So we're going to start with the November 4th AEW Dynamite, the go-home show for Full Gear, one of the quarterly pay-per-views that AEW does. The the funny thing was I went home from the place we recorded this afterward. What? (laughs) And I, I did. I drove home. Oh, I got it now. You got me. You got the go home show. And both of us did. Did you did you sleep here? I did go home. So, you went home after we watched it last night together. I went home. Now let's talk about it. So, a go home show is always the last show prior to a pay-per-view, which, you know, is the culmination of several storylines. WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan, they have pay-per-views or just big marquee events. WWE does that monthly, which kind of waters it down, and we'll get into all of that. But uh, AEW does them quarterly, which makes them all mean that much more. Um, So this is the dynamite that happened yesterday, November 4th, and we're going to talk about what happened, and we're going to talk about the matches of full gear, and then we're really going to gear up and talk about Turner Network programming, uh, films like The A-Team and uh, Star Wars Episode One, among others, and uh, really kind of dive deeper really into that. nice. Uh, you know, with uh, Turner, uh, there's a lot of things associated with Turner. Uh, 
You know, they, they live under this big, you know, as MJF said during one of our episodes, an umbrella, right? Which Animal Planet is not a part of. As really? Well, that that's that was the original joke because Jericho was saying something about Animal Planet and MJF is like, well, it's not under the Turner umbrella. So, like, initially, you know, last week when we first got together to watch Dynamite, it was not necessarily our intent to dive too much into Turner but we talked about it because there's always some hilarious films on pre and post dynamite. Sure, but yeah. now that's going to be a part of this show, as yeah. you will learn later on. I mean, these are all probably movies that like people have seen. It's really fun. oh, for sure, that yeah. are like a decade plus old. The, the TNT big ticket. Oh, the big ticket movies. It's it's beautiful. So uh, so yeah, we're gonna have a hybrid of that. It's gonna be a, a whole lot of fun, and I uh, hope you like it. We're just gonna be digging into all sorts of nonsense here. So. To start this uh, Dynamite, the go-home show, it opened with uh, our guy Chris Jericho along with his inner circle brethren Jake Hager and Santana. Ortiz and Sammy Guevara were not there because they were getting ready for their match with MJF and Wardlow. Jericho decked out in his red velvet suit. Nice hot. Looking like like a stud. Um, And MJF, who, uh, you know... Uh, so MJF is a major heel, in, and a heel is a bad guy, for those who don't know, but and he does it so well. He and Jericho have kind of been buddy-buddy feuding, but also not. Uh, they had a, they shared a steak dinner a couple weeks ago that... Uh, oh, ba- <laughs> like, like I, and one of my favorite things whenever I heard you talk about that was you said, I love that this is wrestling. And it very clearly, it did not involve, like, slamming people, like, onto the It was a Broadway performance. It was, yeah. I believe it was a Frank Sinatra song, like yeah. a pack song. And, yeah. uh, you know, you're I'm my shadow and me. So, yeah. 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 It was beautiful. And, like, the fact that you called it, this is wrestling. Um, it's entertainment, you know? Yeah. Appreciate it as, like, like, you know, going back to that dramatic form of the heel and the face, the stuff that I know, at least. Um, yeah. That I, I I really like. Whenever you said that, like, what really increased my enthusiasm about what we're doing? For, For sure, yeah. yeah. So, so just, just to, to catch, catch the, the listeners, listeners up, uh, essentially MJF is trying to join the inner circle, which is the group Jericho formed on episode one of AEW Dynamite. Which you know they seem to be you know from my thing like the fulcrum. For yeah, sure. So on episode yeah, one yeah. of Dynamite last year, p- before there was even an AEW champion, yeah. which Jericho became the inaugural. Yeah. He formed the inner circle, sure, and I believe yeah. I can't I, I can't remember he turned on someone or Sammy Guevara sure. turned on someone. Uh, I, I, shit, I should know this, but anyway, they yeah. are the fulcrum is a great way of putting it. They're the lifeblood of AEW. MJF wanted a part of it. Why wouldn't he? Who doesn't? I want to be in the inner circle. Like everyone wants to be in the inner circle. Like 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 they're like. Can you find anybody out in the world who's like I am content being in the outer circle? No. Like, like, yeah, I don't think they exist. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, and it would get to the point, this, even months ago, they would banter, like, do you want to join the inner circle, Chris? Or, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. Like, just back and forth nonsense. Yeah. At any rate, they sat down for a steak dinner to hash it out, and it turned into a full Broadway performance. We already discussed it. We're going to be talking forever here. But uh, <laughs> it was incredible. So, back to the show. MJF and Wardlow, his tag team partner and slash employee, come to, they confront Jericho to talk about full gear and this and that. And MJF and Jericho are having a match at full gear. And if MJF wins, he actually gets to join the inner circle. But tonight, or last night, or Wednesday, November 4th, 
MJF and Wardlow had to face off against Ortiz and Sammy Guevara of the inner circle because they don't want MJF in the inner circle. There's been some there's been some fractures forming Beaumont, Nine. which I think is going to lead to a potential turn at some point. I don't know when. Maybe no, it's you, full here. No, you've been talking about that a lot, um, and it seems storytelling wise, you know, uh, it's building toward that. Like he's not just going to join the inner circle, correct? And it's not just going to maintain. It's not going to be buddy buddy. Yeah, it's not going to maintain its same level of stability. And it's going to tip toward one, and it's not going it's to stay in the middle. Tipping. Our viewers have, uh, or our list, our listeners <laughs> have ridden seesaws before. Yeah, who hasn't? So I think they, uh, I think they would know. I think they would. So you know, they confronted each other. Jericho called MJF soft. Whoa. And then Jericho uh, took his rightful place at the commentary booth, as he has done often. Um, actually, kind of saved them during the pandemic on commentary crushing anyway yeah. mjf and warlow versus ortiz and sammy it was a it was a nice battle remember mjf started the match with a nice oh, hog grab, hog grab. Oh, man. mjf turn, turns to the camera grabbed his hog and just like yeah oh like like a great heel he is oh you know god tremendous. it sounded like yoda there but like you know yeah. like, <laughs> great heel he is yeah yeah and it's definitely positioning himself to be probably the person like you said that the inner circle is going to tip toward yeah, and that's the thing, like, will, you know, kind of the prevailing theory is that Jericho will get turned on by the inner circle and turn face, but perhaps someone like Sammy Guevara, who, if you recall, in that match, I mentioned his offense was very face-ish, meaning, yeah. like, he was playing more the good guy in the match. He was almost working face, because you had heel versus heel, which uh -huh. someone's got a trend towards getting the crowd amped up in like right. a positive way. And it seemed like that was Sammy Guevara. You That's know? what I'm like, saying. Like, like, he, he, like was he was doing it, and he had not shown that on Dynamite since he joined the inner circle. So, well, well, you know, and he's got the whole look to it for sure. You know, the he's got Spanish the Spanish god, the Spanish like he's handsome. You know, and MJF just got the. You know, just the... I'm better than you, and I know it. Exactly. He's got, like, the prep schooliness, the big mole yep. on his neck, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that big mole yeah, like, like, out. Yeah, like, he, 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 you know, like, there's a little bit of grossness to that guy. Like, if I were, you know, 22, <laughs> you know... It, I, and MJF, only 24 years old, definitely what? one... Yeah, yeah. Really? So, wow. oh, he's young, and he really will be one of the, like, faces of the company going 24. forward. 24. Yeah, he's a stud. Um, but MJF and Wardlow defeated Ortiz and Sammy Guevara, but this match was not without its uh, controversy. Oh, baby, you had right. masked Matt Hardy in the crowd yeah. pop out and uh, beat ups on Sammy a little bit, and uh, they will be meeting in the Elite Deletion match yeah. this Saturday yeah. at Full Gear, as we'll uh, dig into more. Um, and at one point on commentary, Jericho called Matt Hardy a twisted freak as he came out. Um, Is that the name of a roller coaster at an amusement park? It might as well be. Uh, yeah, you know. The twisted freak. Anyway, uh, MJF ended up tapping out Ortiz in 9 minutes and 27 seconds. Great opener to the show. A lot of fun. You had two storylines advance. Oh, and if you recall, um, MJF speared... Jericho while he was on commentary oh, into the after the match into, into the, the backdrop, backdrop. Oh, he was Lord, coming yeah. up you know strutting his stuff up the aisle and the commentary booth is at the top of the ramp and he just turned and beeline towards Jericho and speared the shit out of him and well, caused a big hubbub what would happen if he would have sent JR to the hospital 
That would have or what if it would hit? Um, um, what what does Jericho call call Tony Schiavone? Yeah, oh, ski a bone. Ski a bone. Yeah. yeah. What if he would have hit? What if he would have skied into a bone? Oh wow! You know, yeah. That would have been wacky, nutty. So mm. yeah, that was interesting. And if you recall, um, after Jericho got attacked, he got up and was smiling, like, "Oh, okay, kid, let's go." Oh yeah, no, he was totally fine. I mean, he had to like finish out that oh, that, yeah. that thing. You yeah, know? Jericho had to get back on commentary, and he's gonna seem tough. I mean, like he is the. I don't want to say elder statesman because well, actually, he I do. Want, I do want to say elder statesman because like you look at John Adams and George Washington <laughs> as you know vivacious figures, you know. Uh, so, I mean, Jericho is that. He certainly you know? is that. Well, hell, when Bischoff came out in the last episode, you know, like, they're not frail. They're not weak. Yeah. You know, like, these people are, you know, so, like... And Jericho's a fucking legend. Yeah. He was the first AEW champion, as I said. He he is... I mean, he's the fulcrum. He's the tentpole. He's whatever you want to call him. Turner. Um, well, well, man, he, he is a transfer from Turner, too. Well, he might be USA. So he started as a WCW guy when they were on. So WCW was was on on TNT. TNT. And the the WF was on USA. It still is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of Skiavone, uh, the show then went to Tony Schiavone, or as Jericho calls him, Tony Skiavone, because that's kind of how it's spelled, with Kenny Omega, who... uh, is one of the best wrestlers in the world, but has not really shown that at times on AEW. He was the tag champion with Hangman Adam Page for a while. Tremendous matches. In fact, probably the best tag match I've ever seen back at Revolution against the Young Bucks. But the fans want more from Kenny. They want to see the Kenny that was in New Japan in 2016 winning the G1. In 2017 having the matches with Okada. And in 2018 finally winning the IWGP champ. But we're starting to get that. We're starting to get the cleaner. And now he's going to be facing his former tag partner, Hangman Adam Page, at full gear. And, you know, like, you're familiar with the term slow burn, right? I believe this is what this is. Like, I think this is like a true detective style uh, slow burn into this. Like, Because I think people know who this guy is. Mm -hmm. They know the gravity of, like, whenever he comes out, you know... um, and, um, you know, when he won, whenever he pinned, who, he pinned that jobber last week and he had that, like, smirk. Sunny kiss, yeah, yeah in about yeah. 15 seconds, just set up and, yeah, just like, smirked. Like, like, like I'm like, fucking Kenny Omega, like, people. Like, 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 people know and the writers know. And, um, and he's one of them. Yeah, oh, no, he's, <laughs> well, a, he's one of the four EVPs of the company, which are the wrestlers. Right, right. Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, and your boy Cody. Woo! <laughs> Along with Tony Connor, as they affectionately referred to him as TK last night a lot. Uh, TK. Who kind of serves as the Vince McMahon role, but off screen. Um, he's tremendous. Yeah, yeah, he is. And I really actually like the choice of TK serving off screen. Like, yeah. there's an ominousness and like a abstract nebulous kind of feature to this person yep and like whenever vince mcmahon comes out it's like he says like he makes some decree and then things are this way and everybody boos him and everybody just knows where to direct their animosity yep and with this it's a little bit more vague and i think this allows for like in terms of the landscape for storytelling i think this allows for much more interesting things to happen like a lot more cool possibilities with the uh, AEW writing. For you know, sure. And yeah. what makes this so good is Tony Khan is, you know, he's probably 35, 36, son of the Jaguars owner. Oh, with they the twirly mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, also, like Fulham, like this guy grew up in a very wealthy family, 
but he grew up a fucking diehard Mark wrestling fan, like to the point where he's sure so far beyond my level of markdom that it's unbelievable. Where his dream was to write his own wrestling show, and now he's doing it, and he's doing it so well. That's great. It, it just makes it so good. But back to the task at hand. Excellent. Tony Schiavone yeah. interviewing Kenny Omega about the match with Adam Page coming up. Kenny was calm. He was confident. He was with a dog. He's like, Boston Terrier. Yeah, he's like, this isn't my dog. This isn't my home. He was calm. He know, you know, he's going to win. He feels great. Well, well, he's very, you know, like like how you've described New Japan, Brett, has been like, um, oh, yeah, it's all about the sport. Yeah. And stuff, and like his attitude during that interview reflected that. Yeah, um, definitely he was more very, sports oriented. Yeah, he was like, I moved. You know, like whenever a football player is all like, oh, I'm all about the team. You know, even though like for example, if their role's been diminished, like you know, like they say they're all about the team to um, advertise themselves or to market themselves to other teams. Yep. And like even though Kenny Omega is not in that position, he has that attitude. For sure. You know, he has that uh, Yaleman. No, the, yeoman. Know, the yeoman. He has that yeoman attitude that I think really uh, sells him to fan, and I think you know is a big part of his character, and is a big part of why you know he's obviously a central, uh, significant character in the storyline. And he's going to become even more significant as we go along. Sure. So yeah. keeping things moving, we're going to match two, which is Trent of Best Friends versus Miro, okay, formerly Rusev in WWE. For those of you that out there know him. This match uh, started uh, over Trent busting uh, Kip Sabian, which is Miro's partner. His video game, arcade game, called Allen a couple weeks ago. Allen. Busted through Allen in the crowd. Miro was having none of it, and he was saying, game over. Actually, let's pull up, let's pull up the clip from that. So this was a very good competitive match. Um, this was Miro's first singles match in AEW. Um, Trent, grizzled veteran, he was spent some time in WWE and New Japan. Um, you know, he's been tremendous in sure. AEW as well. But uh-huh. anyone knew that Miro was winning this match, as he did. Um, but it was a great match. Um, remember pr- prior to yeah. the match, Miro insulted Trent's mother, Sue, oh, um, who had been a Sue. Sue there, been there, a were, there, there were multiple mothers insul- insulted in this oh, episode yeah. of Dynamite. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah there was. personal. Um, but it was a good match. It was a pretty brisk match. Um, you had uh, actually 12 minutes, not not, uh, not not as brisk as I thought. Um, but you had Jericho sure. uh, ripping on Penelope Ford, which is Kip Sabian's uh, fiance. Said, speaking of trash, and uh, yeah, another great line during that. Rusa or Miro from Bulgaria, an Irish whip is when you throw someone into the ropes or in the corner, and Jericho's like, it's a Bulgarian whip for one. Uh, fun stuff, but um, if you recall, Orange Cassidy came out, our guy, because he was with the best friends, know, he, so he, he was yeah, out he, there he, with he, them. He, he's fine. And during that match, he got yeah. attacked by John Silver in the Dark Order during the world-famous picture-in-picture, if you recall. Oh, man. like I right. even missed it. I think I was taking a no, piss. No, and... yeah, yeah. We don't have to move to the restaurant-quality one yet, which, we, we, which we will we'll eventually. But... Uh, that moment, too, I just want to describe that. So, like, you know, John Silver is just kind of sitting there out of the ring, and then you see Orange Cassidy meander down the side of the ring, and then they zoom in because, like, they just know. You know, that's the thing with Orange Cassidy. Like, they know how to, like, milk Absolutely. his character, and that's really good. And, like, with Jericho's commentary, 
You know? Oh, because Jericho like, hates yeah. him because they had and that he does. feud. And like, he that always. Idiot Orange Cassidy. That jokester. <laughs> well, that uh, was I think silver. That was silver. But yeah, and it they're able to really, really milk that in a really effective way. And like, they know people like Orange Cassidy. And they know they need to kind of keep him as like a face, but like everybody else looks at him like a heel, you know, um, like that's a really, that's a boon for AEW. Absolutely. It it, it really is. Like he is a, uh, just low key and probably maybe not even low key key anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like somebody who is drawing in people. Cause like, obviously like me with my experience watching that, like he's the, the character that like I've kind of fixated on. For and, casual fans, he's yeah. he's the guy. Oh yeah, and like think like, okay, for example, Romeo and Juliet. You have like Romeo and Juliet, and then you have like Mercutio and Benvolio and Tybalt. Like you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like like, like uh, Orange Cassidy is one of the Mercutio, Benvolio, Tybalt. Yeah, he's but key. like yeah, and like but those characters like make shit happen, and uh, that was at the end of the show. When okay. he came up on Silver. Okay. So, so Silver attacked him during that match. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then he came back and snuck attacked Miro. Okay. But no, I'm really, like, I think Orange Cassidy, like, we talk about fulcrums and stuff, and he may not be that. He's close. But, He's um, getting there. But, but he has weight on one side of the seesaw that, like, is the reason that you see things change. Like, one of the principles of storytelling uh, that I'll talk about a lot on this is that in a scene, which is like a match, Yep. It, um, characters change through action. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of a match, characters are in one scene. At the end, they're in another scene. And yep. wrestling, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, you know, maybe not as nuanced as you think it is, but like in terms of who these characters are, it is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. When it's done right, like I said, yeah. it's all about that storytelling, sure, the yeah. character building. Yeah. That's what makes you want to watch. Like, yeah. yeah, a match can be great in and of itself without a story, but a match with a great a great match with a great story yeah. is as good as it gets. Like that tag match yeah. between Hangman and Kenny against the Young Bucks at Revolution. Yeah. Like that had the story, yeah. and I'm like, holy fuck, yeah, this that, is incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I challenge our our listeners here. Um, Challenge them. Watch any match in WWE, WCW, AEW, any of them, and see if there's not a character change through that, because there will be. Absolutely. So I'll be bringing that up a lot. Oh, um, let's, but, we're going to be talking about that yeah. ad nauseum. But but yeah, I really think uh, like like beyond wins and losses for sure. You know, it's about like the state Advancing of the story exactly, and so um, that that's a you know. And that's what I'm qualified to talk about. So, <laughs> and we'll be talking about that a lot. So Trent put up a good fight. He took the L, uh, but looked great doing so. Sure. Um, there was a, a bit of a scuffle at the end because Miro was beating the shit out of he and his partner Chuck. Chuck Taylor, who's from Murray, Kentucky, and on the back of his trunks it says "Kentucky Gentleman," which is what Bo is drinking now. Woo! Woo! And, and uh, uh, what or- does he have to do with the shoes? Uh, nothing. That's just <laughs> um, Orange Cassidy got that sneak attack on Miro at the end, and then just all went haywire, and it was fun. Sure, so yeah. then we went to the Tony Skiavone interview with Hangman. Oh, that's Adam with Page. Jr. That was with Jr. Or Jr. That's right. I'm JR. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Skiavone with Kenny and yeah. Jr. with. No, Hangman. remember Skiavone was wearing like wearing the, his, like Tommy Bahama. Oh yeah, he was wearing his retirement community yeah, outfit. You for know? sure. And, and yes, t- it was Jr. Thank you for correcting me. Hangman comes in. He's got his bourbon in hand. You can tell he's had a few. Um, he's wearing his beautiful black sure. shirt with the pink floral. Oh yeah, he's looking—he's looking, he's looking uh, pretty relaxed and drunk. He's feeling good. 
Uh, and as JR says right out of the gate, you're guzzling that bourbon. Probably not the first one you've had today, um, as Hangman Page tends to. He, you know, Hangman Page, he's been going through a lot that's lately. His, no, that's his thing. You yeah, know, he's, that, that, uh, that, that is his thing. He's a drunk. He got, well, <laughs> and he, the reason he's a drunk is he got turned, well, not turned on, but with the elite, the group with Kenny sure. and the Young Bucks, like there were fractures. And then the Young Bucks and them had a bit, big disagreement. And then. Now he and Kenny broke up as a team, and he was already an alcoholic before that. It's only going to get a little worse. So the, the Hangman Page story arc uh -huh. is literally like one of the things I'm captivated by on this whole show, not just this show, but AEW in sure. general. Like, yeah. Talk about slow burns. Yeah. This is going to be a storyline that pays off over years. Well, yeah, and it's a tag team person, too. Like, you know, um, who was it that who had never done singles? Like it wasn't Miro, or maybe it was Kenny. Like that maybe. was Miro's first singles. Match. Oh yeah, it was Miro's. But, so first Hangman, match, yeah. the thing with Hangman and Kenny is they were both singles oh, yeah. wrestlers, uh -huh. but put together as a tag team just because, and they ended up winning the belts and having a great yeah. reign. Yeah. But they're truly singles guys, and now they are fighting in the finals of the AEW World Title Eliminator yeah. Tournament this Sunday or Saturday. Uh, they had a match in New Japan, I believe, in 2018, right. which was very good. But this, with the storyline and everything, it's going to be outstanding. And you could tell Hangman Page was on edge. Mm -hmm. He was—he just—he—he's nervous. He even yeah. said it in the promo. He's nervous. He—he he doesn't know how he's going to react and fight against Kenny. Um, and as Jr. said uh, so eloquently, moderation, my boy. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Oh, but the will. build for that story has been tremendous. Tremendous, and well, it's going to be well, a great match. Well, and like, um, I don't want to like. Look, they have respect for each other. Mm -hmm. They really do, and because um, they were know, partners for it a is, year. And, and it's going to be nice to see a match like that. I think. Um, you know, I don't know uh, if there will be respect once they get in the squared oh, circle, oh, but oh, we'll oh, see. Oh, I'm sure the writers will, will jazz it up a little bit, but I'm glad that that's where they put the storyline because, like, I think that's good in the middle of all the you know, in fighting and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I so think one it. thing that I want to just get out here, and uh -huh. we actually haven't really talked a ton about, but you keep mentioning the writers, the writers, the writers. Yeah. That's more of a WWE thing. Like it is literally written by a team of people oh. that aren't rest that like they're literally writers in AEW. These guys are doing their own thing. Okay, so, so, so there is Tony Khan at the top who makes the final decision, but the beauty of AEW and why these guys love guys and girls love being here is that they get to kind of create their own stuff. They get really? to kind of do their own thing. They have to run it up the ladder, but the creative freedom for the performers here is just a different ballpark entirely. Wow. So that's really cool. Like, I'm going to ask you now to drop that term writers because literally, at least when we're talking about this, because literally like Hangman and Kenny, they're writing their own story here. Tony Khan is okay. there as a buffer, but like Jericho has even said, and he's been in the business 30 years. He's like, the fact that I can just go out there and do my own stuff and not have to get a red tape approval, approval, approval. He's like, this is the best it's ever been. Yeah. So okay. like they're doing it themselves. There's obviously a group of people helping, uh -huh. but there's not like your typical writers. Sure. Yeah. So okay. it's a bit, that's a thing. That's another draw. It's a bit different than uh, your normal uh, fucking, uh, dumb. No, WWE no, that, no, that's bullshit. really cool. Like this is like kind of the, the improv. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's really cool. Exactly. Yeah. 
So then we went into a video package showcasing the FTR Young Bucks tag team title match. Uh -huh. uh, we won't get too into that yet because it comes back later in the show. Sure. And then our guy Taz, Woo! who has uh, definitely inspired a segment we're going to have here called What's Burning My Ass or That Burns My Ass. That Burns My Ass. We're still trying it out, but Taz came out with his guys... Uh, Ricky Starks and the machine Brian Cage, they were complaining about a bunch of shit because that's what they do. That's what heels do. They complain. Yeah. Taz is the manager. He was an old ECW guy. He was in WWE. Great talker. You can tell he's still got a passion for the business, and he's been great. Uh -huh. But he's complaining because the machine Brian Cage in the rankings is the number one contender. But he's got nothing to do at full gear. He doesn't have a match. Uh -huh. Absolute Ricky Starks as he would say oh, in, his, uh, in his, in his yeah. New York accent. Oh, he doesn't have a match. Um, so they're out there shooting their mouths or whatever. I remember sure. it, I had written down here at some point Taz was spouting off, and uh, he was wearing his orange hat, and Jericho's like, what did you do, put on an orange hat? Oh, that, yeah, no, I wrote <laughs> something down with that. But yeah. uh, Ricky Starks, to me, really shined in this. If you're, he was kind of looking like The Rock with his turtleneck and his glasses. He, yeah, I remember he mentioned at that. At one yeah. point, he's like, here are the facts, Jack. Which was a lyric in the Ninja Turtles 1990s theme song. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe Michelangelo says it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, Ricky Starks really owned that segment. It was all fun, as it always is from Team Taz. So then the next match was Private Party versus the Young Bucks. Oh man, see, and this was an exciting one too because I had no idea who Private Party was. They introduced him as vodka and cranberry. Uh, twenty, they weighing twenty four ounces of vodka cranberry. I thought they were neat. Yeah, and their song goes shots, shots. They're young guys from New York. Um, so interesting story as we discussed last night. This was last October in the inaugural AEW Tag Team Tournament. Uh, Private Party actually upset the Young Bucks in round one. And as we said earlier, Young Bucks, two of the EVPs of the company, two of the main reasons why this exists. Yeah. You know, that was a big, and again, they are the quote unquote writers. So for them to put uh -huh. over Private Party like that okay. so early was a very big deal. Sure. And now this, a year later, they have this rematch. Um, you know, Young Bucks are preparing for FTR. That's a dream match that we're going to get into a little bit more. Matt Jackson's got his hurt knee or leg or ankle or whatever the fuck he's complaining about these days. Um, but if you recall, Matt Hardy came out with Private Party. Again, yeah, no, he, he guys, was all over this episode. And yeah, Sammy yeah, Guevara yeah. attacked him during the entrance. Just, yeah, he yeah. that up because Matt had attacked nice, especially Sammy, Sammy Like, I don't know, I like Sammy. Like, I think he's a cat, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, like, you know, like, even though, like, there was not a whole lot that he said, you know, even though I'm not from there, I don't know. Like, he just has he a... Looked, he shined in this episode. He did, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, he did a very good job physically of just, you know, being magnetic. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this was a really fun match. It was exciting. There were a lot of near falls at the end. Again, everyone knew the Bucks were winning this match. They're Probably, going into yeah. the big one against FTR on Sunday. You know, they'd already lost to Private Party. Everyone knew it, but they made it compelling. They had the near falls. Where they did. It was a good one, fight. two, like they made uh -huh. you believe. And that's, again, in matches where you pretty much 99% know who's going to win, if they can give you that one shred of fucking doubt, like that's yeah. what keeps you coming. That's what I love. Yeah. And, like, 
That's when uh, Jr. mentioned restaurant quality. The homemade restaurant quality picture in picture. Which uh, that begs the question: Like, what restaurant is it? Is it Ruth's Chris? Is it Denny's? Is it Outback Steakhouse? Is it Shoney's? I don't know. I know. I think it's probably Sonic. So Jr. always has he he'll always tout a picture in picture that AEW does during the commercial. We were just really geeking out at uh, him calling it homemade restaurant quality. For him being a barbecue sauce guy, that's you know kind of fun. But yeah. uh, like Big uh, like like like, like, like I'm eager to see how else he continues to sell it for sure. So Young Bucks win the match, and then FTR comes down and attacks them. And I had noted I was geeking out because they had their championship belts on during the ta- attack. Oh, I just thought that was funny. They had their guy, Tolly Blanchard, who we didn't even really explain the name of this podcast, so it'll just come to you. But Tolly Blanchard was one of the members of the 80s-slash-90s tag team, the Brain Busters. Yes! Along with Arn Anderson, a.k.a. Andy, Andy Reid, who uh, we'll see and talk about later when... Uh, we'll talk we, plenty about him. Yeah, Andy Reid will be a key part of the show. We're not talking about the Chiefs head coach. We're talking about the brain buster. We're talking about the philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Waffle House Yeah, we're menu. talking about the, the, the essence. Oh, you know, oh, oh, it's beautiful. Man. I've, ne- I've never ordered any other sandwiches. From where? Waffle House. Oh, yeah. Who does? No, yeah, no, I've always ordered the All-Star Special, which is a fucking stellar deal. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. been to Waffle House in a while. Oh, man. Like, the, me and my cousins go every Christmas. Our Christmas tradition is oh, we, wow. and we go to Waffle House and get caught. Dude, I've seen... I can't say this on here, obviously, but I've seen some of the most racist shit on Christmas <laughs> night at Waffle House in Carrollton. Yeah. So FTR attacks them with Tolly Blanchard. They put yeah. the chair on Matt Jackson's leg as they did... Two weeks ago, yeah. you know, he's his legs all messed up. That's definitely the story going into this match. But if you recall, drunk Hangman Page came out to make the save while they were beating him up. FTR had turned on Hangman, you know, he did. three, four months back. And then Kenny Omega followed. Uh, but Hangman came out first. Stumbled, he stumbled down. Stumbled in. But he still came first, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, which and is it was meaningful. interesting to see he and Kenny in the ring together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when uh, Jericho's like, he can barely stand, too. He may, oh, man, yeah. And they were calling him gunned up, which I thought was he's, just a funny he's word gunned for up. being oh, drunk. Well, we probably need to start using that for a sure. lot more. Yeah, yeah, let's get yeah. gunned up. Exactly. Um, and then over the break, over the commercial break, uh, we heard about the Turner Big Ticket movies, Woo! Ready Player One, and Transformers. Which the Transformers are in Ready Player One, so it's a little incestuous, <laughs> but it's cool. Yeah, you're gonna get, you're gonna hear all about the Turner Big Ticket movies. Um, and while we're at it, let's uh, take a break for our sponsors. All right. So then we go to. Probably the best part of the show, the John Moxley Eddie Kingston promo to hype the main event AEW World Championship I Quit match at Full Gear. So these two, they've got a history. They already actually had a match for the AEW title about a month ago, and Eddie Kingston did not tap out, but he got choked out. But that's kind of what's leading to the I Quit matches. You have to quit. Right. But these two are on the indies together. You know, they've been friends for a long time. You hear them talk about each other's mothers in this. Eddie Kingston's got that New York accent that I can't do. uh, But he's full of intensity, full of passion. Um, You know, during this promo, so he came out first. Moxley comes out, and they get nose-to-nose immediately. Like, 
Kingston gets right in his fucking face. Oh, you know, you can see the cartilage shift, yeah. you know, yeah. The noses are pushing together for several seconds for multiple times. Yeah. And the, one of my favorite parts is Moxley did not budge when Kingston got right in his face. He just stood there like a fucking statue. Like, yeah. Like the badass that he is. And Kingston's just like, he's like the angry neighbor. Yeah. You know, he is. He's just like, you know, you go outside and you accidentally, you know, mowed onto the other neighbor's yard or you did something or cut their bushes. And then he comes out and his wife beat her. And then, you know, definitely he got that. Oh, vibe. yeah. And he starts like yelling at you and threatening to fight you, you know, and like your wife comes out. And she's like, you know, and like it's, uh, you know, he, he, he is a purveyor of chaos. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So during this promo, he's like, I don't have kids because of this. Oh, my God. And, and he said, he, yeah, he hasn't given his mother a daughter-in-law. Ruthie. Yeah. Ruthie. Which like. You know. Who Moxley said, I made a promise to Ruthie over the years that I would protect oh, you. So right. it's getting personal. Yeah, it is. It, it's extraordinarily <coughs> personal. And, like, for him to say that, you know. It was uh, getting personal. And if you recall that's the, that's, as well, yeah. um, Kingston had his back to him. He uh, wasn't even looking at him. Moxley was talking to his back because sure. he was not even looking at him. Yeah. Um, and then the part that got me, he's like, you better get ready to kill me. This is real. Like, yeah. This is no joke. Yeah. These guys are ready to go to fucking war. They, 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 they really are. And it's yeah. going to be tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Like this really, really, really built the match very well. Yeah, because did. both these guys can talk. They're both tough guys. Sure. Um, yeah. Again, Moxley's going to win the match, I think. You know, you never know. But uh, they're definitely doing a damn good job of making this seem like, and it probably is, frankly, like one of the biggest moments of Eddie Kingston's life, for real. Yeah. This is a guy who was legitimately real life selling his wrestling gear before he got signed by AEW earlier this year. Selling his gear to make his mortgage. This is real life shit. Then he gets signed, has the match with Cody. He's like, holy shit. Like, I'd, I'd heard of the guy, but I'd never seen him. I'm like, fuck, this guy's incredible. And now he's in the main event. <coughs> so pretty impressive yeah no I, I you know he is a character who is uh instantly extraordinarily compelling magnetic you know like yeah magnetic exactly he comes in and then things center upon this guy um there's a always presence. yeah he, there's a presence there's always people around him like he is going to matter Yep. He's going to be somebody of significance in this storyline absolutely um you may not win this <laughs> but like he's, he's here, here to stay. stay. He he does a very effective job of communicating his like importance and significance. You know, he like uh, who he is, like broadcasting that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you gotta have respect for that. It's gonna be great. So sure. then we had a the promo from Pack, who had been stuck in England throughout the pandemic, still hasn't actually made it here. I wish I would have rewatched this before the recording, but talk about compelling and in your face. Uh, yeah. It was him sitting on a couch and then like silhouette or like holographs of him kept popping up and it was just insane and yeah. dark and crazy. And he's here to come back and beat some ass. That's for sure. So um, then we went to the fourth match, which was the women's match, which was Red Velvet versus Nyla Rose. Uh, interesting note, because I definitely did refer to Red Velvet as a jobber, which she is. Yeah. Uh, but her coming out with Brandy Rhodes was interesting, because she's not a jobber, even though she's not really a good wrestler or talker. But I got respect for Brandy, and she's the chief branding officer of the company, and she does a great job. I just don't think she's a very good on-screen character. Anyway, though, 
Um, just having Red Velvet with her means something. Um, but Nyla Rose, the former champ, beat her in about two minutes with Hikaru Shida's move, that yeah. running knee. Oh, um, and she was there in the crowd, right? Absolutely. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Came up to her. Um, but, Bo, in the industry, this is what we like to call a squash match. Okay. You know, under – it was, again, about a – Way a jobber. Yeah, yeah, went about a buck 52 on the clock. Like, short match. Everyone knows who's winning. Put the heel over big time. You know, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. happened here. It's effective storytelling. You make – you know, you make Nyla Rose look like a monster, as she is. Um, Hikaru Shida originally won the belt off Nyla, so this is going to be a rematch. That was a good match um, back at Double uh, or Nothing. Yeah. Um, and if you recall, Vicky Guerrero, who is now Nyla's manager, uh, I, be- I can't remember if it was JR or Jericho referred to her as a catty bitch. Oh, <clears throat> God, that's a really good question. No, 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 no it, it was Jericho. Jr. would not say. It had it. to have been. Jericho. Yeah, 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 yeah. J, yeah, Jr. like would not know what a caddy. Or did is. someone grab a microphone from the crowd? I don't think so. Yeah. So Vicky Guerrero, her thing in WWE, she would always come out and go, "Excuse me," <laughs> and the fans would just go, "Boo!" Oh. Excuse me. So she is a caddy bitch, but a great heel manager. Um, and then we get to the follow-up of the Kenny Hangman stuff, and there's a promo video with just this really oh, wonderful, what we termed oh, the air yeah. metal song. It was, it I was it, so bad. It, it may have been, been in some Cinderella, Cinderella thing. It, it was like Guns N' Roses masturbating in a public restroom. <laughs> it was terrible. It was. Well, it, it had like the voice of butt rock, but and it had that like constant solo, like like not even a constant great solo, a constant like. But the best part is like it was dog shit, but I know they know it's dog shit. Oh, they know, and it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, and it really it still worked to build the match. Like it's like okay, this is a fucking good story here. So we get to our main event. Shockingly. In uh, 2020, we've got both badass Billy Gunn of uh, WWE New Age Outlaws fame with his son Austin, or as my buddy Poppy would call him, Sid, along with Cody against the Dark Order's John Silver, our guy, 10, and Colt Cabana. And I wrote down here, the fact that John Silver and badass Billy Gunn are main eventing in 2020 is insane. It is. Um, it, it Was Billy Gunn in DX? He was, yeah. Okay, um, can I tell you a funny story about D-Generation X? Please. Oh, man. So um, my friend Tony uh, was a big wrestling fan. I went to school and was in the lunch line. And, like, it was taking a long time. And some girl jump said something to him. You jump in the line. <laughs> so some girl says something to him. And he does the DX, like, suck it, suck it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then gets... Instantly sent to the principal's office, you know, but like during the Attitude Era, so badass Billy Gunn was there. Another funny story, I went to St. Pius the 10th grade school, which the Roman numeral is an X, so we would do the suck it in school, like the X, but we would put our hands up and the priests, the priests would do it with us, or at least one of the the priests would give the DX. Not to his crotch, but up. But, like, then we would, of course, take it to the crotch. You know, we're in fourth grade. But, like, just the fact that we were getting, I think it was Father Lauer or Father Worth, one of those two, some of my St. Pius people could confirm out there. But, like, they would throw up the DX, and it just geeked us out so hard. See, I thought Pius was just an adjective. (laughs) He was a saint. I didn't 
Like, he was a saint, and there was at least ten of them. Like descriptions are saint, like yeah. like saint good, He's saint, so, yeah. saint, saint, uh, saint saint oh man, saint excellent. You know, like like saint, saint, saint amazing is that close to Christ. Saint Tuffy. <laughs> so, <laughs> not a ton to say about this match. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was a pretty high paced main event. Um, coat. Well, what they did, they featured our guy Darby Allen in the crowd several, several times. times. Oh, 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 a lot of times. Yeah, as he's getting, getting ready to face off against v Cody. Very Solomon here. dramatically set him up there in now, the upper deck. Well, and that's something they do with Cody. You know, they're not going to put Cody in some sort of comedic situation. They won't. No. You know, like they won't have Cody be in some sort of Orange Cassidy. Like, <laughs> he just had the feud with him, but that's never going to be him. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, it's like he's going to like pass him, but it's never going to be in some sort of goofy thing. It's always going to be in some sort of like stark high drama. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's just what Cody. they do with Cody because he's a goddamn Turner Tenpole. Well, so another thing at Cody, son of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. So he's a very big fan, and he's said this in interview. Like he's an old school wrestling guy. So the stories that he's going to be a part of are yeah. always very old school. But they've been very well done. And, and yeah, you know, like they are built in. Like I'll say this on episode one, and I know, like maybe if I'm wrong, I'll get shit on. I don't care. <laughs> but like they are going to slowly build him up to where, and like he's the EVP of the company. You know, he's a legacy. Yeah. Like, Dusty Rhodes is his dad. His brother's fucking gold dust. Funny you say that. The team that he was a part of in WWE in, like, 2008-9 was called Legacy. Yeah. Him, him Ted DiBiase Jr., and Randy Orton. Wow. So, like, they're going to build him up very slowly to make the viewers to, like, really sell the fact that he's earning it. So, they, they've been doing that for the last year, too. You know, like, that, 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 like he is so readable. Like I can pretty like he is the one person in this that I know where he's going. Like the rest of it is a lot more like twisted and fun, and they yeah. bounces off of each other. But like Cody is obviously like the Clark Kent yeah. of this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's fair. You know, he's the guy, uh, yeah. and again, he's largely steering this ship in yeah. real life as yeah. well. Like yeah. it's his company. So he's gonna do it his way. way. I feel like that's who the real guy wants to be. It is. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, see, that's, that's how he wants to write himself. And with all yeah. these people, you see the real human beings in AEW more so than you do in it. Like, because they're allowed to be themselves and project how they want to project. And, and, good. And, and, like, power to Cody for being that. Um, but, man, like, er every other character in this is this free-flowing, goofy-ass, you know, and then Cody is, the, you know, the, the, the other one and uh, – it's hard for me not to think like, you know, no chance. That's what you got. Like, you know, like, like for Cody. Yeah. You know, but, but I get it. Like I fucking, you get it. You got to have like, that. Like, like, like I, I get, get where he's going and I get why his character is written this way. And he does you it know? well. Yeah. And, and again, again, not written. written. But like, you know, self-written. Yeah. Well, we need to invent a term. Instead What's going to be your term? Instead of written? Yeah, wrestled that way? <laughs> Job. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. Marked that way? Yeah, we'll figure it out. So, we were talking about the, you know, as this match was going on, we're like, obviously someone like Austin Gunn is probably going to get pinned, but he ended up getting the pin over 10. That was one really surprising part of the night, I thought, you know, because, um, I mean, he pinned a jobber. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, tens, a jo yeah, tens of jobbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Borderline jobbers. Tens of jobbers, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
in so the main event. event. Yeah, and they, and they did, and like, which, which is cool. cool. Like, like they're, they're elevating these guys. Like, like, like literally the least consequential ending yeah. is what it was. Yeah. Like it was entirely. Well, so the ending yeah. went to build Cody and Darby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, they had kept showing Darby in the crowd. It was like extra rings. And Jericho's like, that freak Darby Allen. Yeah, yeah. Remember they showed that video with him running over the face of AEW, which was Cody. So that's kind of the show ended with the build. You know, to Cody and Darby. Sure, yeah, yeah. So we just talked way too long about Dynamite. I'm sure some of that's going to get cut out, but hey. It, it was, was a heck of a show. show. Interesting, interesting note, though, it wasn't necessarily the best quote-unquote wrestling show. Like, there were fun matches, but nothing that was, like, great. But with a typical go-home show, they're often promo and storyline-based, and this show did a hell of a job building full gear. So do you think, like, oftentimes, like, if the ultimate show is your pay-per-view thing and the penultimate is this, yeah. do you think this succeeded as that type of show? Absolutely. It doesn't yeah, need yeah. to be great matches because we're waiting for Saturday. Okay. But it did so much in building those matches right down the line, and we'll go down the card here in a bit. Um, um, what do you think about doing the cans like... Like picking out two each week and being like, who's Anakin Skywalker in AEW and who's Sepulpa? Yeah, because I, I think we, yeah, I think that's good. So, uh, so we we started today or with this episode, so and then, yeah, we because we talked about doing assigning wrestlers at least to the product. Yeah, yeah. So we have to figure out who we think is. But now them. we're comparing them directly. I like that. Yeah. So like, and have two each week, and like make yeah. it a real long ongoing. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And like, and even when we stop talking about the cans, we'll have two. Uh, you know, we'll do. We'll be able to move past the Pepsi's and then eventually get to the Wonders. Oh yeah. Yeah, that'll, that'll be that'll be the end. Yeah, that'll be the very end. I love it. So do we want to start that this week or next week? Um, it doesn't. Well, maybe next. Maybe we just let that live on its own as introducing it. Because we even mentioned in it like we're gonna compare. Or, or, or let's let's hype it up. We'll be like, all right, next week we need to figure out who the Anakin Skywalker and the Sebulba are. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, and we'll just tease that every week who it is, like who's yeah. the battle going. Yeah, and. Uh, 2020 Eventually, we should like create an email account. And be like, email us if you think if you have an idea. For sure. And like, we can even do it this time, even though for sure no one's going to email us. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So we, we can totally do it. It's easy to love a super. Is it? <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I really, really do. do. Um, let's quickly shift into our top five moments of Dynamite. We're going to do these every beautiful, show. Beautiful, uh, beautiful, we're each going to have our own. I'm going to go five to one as we build the build the anticipation. Yeah. Um, do you want to start here? What was your yeah, number start here. five moment of Dynamite? My number five moment of the night was um, when Orange Cassidy, whenever Stephanie slapped his sunglasses off and he took them. Penelope. Penelope. Oh, her name was Penelope? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Penelope shoot the apple off my head. So, so, so whenever uh, Penelope Stephanie slapped the sunglasses, well, well, when she slapped those sunglasses off his head, it was like a bullet. I think you were taking piss during that time. Yeah, I was like, rocking. bam, and like yeah. they shot off his face really well. And I thought that moment, um, like probably in rehearsal, it didn't happen like that all the time, but during the show, it happened like how they wanted it. Yeah, and and I thought that was impressive. 
So my number five moment was the Ricky Starks promo. Again, I don't really remember all the specifics, but he looked great. He sounded great. The guy's been just killing it ever since he's been getting the spotlight. He even said it. He's like, I've started Dynamite. I've ended Dynamite. Um, those are the facts, Jack. I'm really excited about Ricky Starks' growth. Number four for you. Oh, boy. So those of you who have been burned by booze are going to hate me. But um, so... Whenever JR starts calling out Hangman, like, you're drinking, and I just started making fun of JR for being that patronizing asshole. But then Brad told me that uh, JR's wife died, uh, you know, from uh, a drunk driver. So I, I don't want that to be funny, but I don't want me to feeling like shit for saying that to be the thing. That it was, was an interesting, interesting moment. Yeah, yeah, it was sure. interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 like, I, I, you know, if you want to laugh at anything from that, which, like, if you know, that's great. Laugh at me feeling like shit. Because I felt like shit. Yeah. yeah. JR's great. No, I Num- love Number four for me was the pack promo video. Again, it was just nice to see him. It was intense. I need to watch it again. Wish I would have before this, but looking forward to him coming back. He's good. Um, Number three for you. Oh, man, it was the book ending. Um, so this week, um, last week, which is our episode zero, which, I don't know, you may have heard some of it. You may, you may not. Um, we had um, the Liam Neeson book ending from his role in the A-Team and his role. Oh, yes. His, his iconic role as Qui-Gon Jinn in the fan. So we're talking about the book ending, meaning the program on just before Dynamite and just after Dynamite, exactly. as we talked about earlier. And yeah, yeah. And uh, so this week's book ending was um, – was, was, uh, spon- this week's book ending was sponsored in part by Orlando Bloom. He's, he's married to Katy Perry, isn't he? I believe he is. Yeah, I believe he is. And uh, – you know, um, we had uh, him as Legolas in not Lord of the Rings, the not Return of the King. It was in The Hobbit the Part Hobbit, Three, the, the Battle of the, of the Five Armies. Yeah, yeah, which is like the last thing you want to see Legolas in. Like it's like literally like the bottom of his barrel. And then we had him in another franchise, bottom of the barrel, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, which was um, the fourth one. Which I think that's when you know they had. Uh, Blown past the shark on the evil Knievel motorcycle. I have not seen it. <laughs> what a geek. Yeah, it's funny. So my number three moment wasn't really a moment, but it was just Jericho on commentary. I thought he was great all night. He was entertaining. I already fired out pretty much all the lines I had highlighted. Yeah. Um, so we don't, you know, we already talked about it. We don't need to get too deep. Number two. Oh, man, my number two uh, was uh, JR's characterization of the picture-in-picture picture, <laughs> with world-famous and restaurant quality, uh, you know? Like, there's a big gap between those two. Like, world-famous, we have, like, nationally famous, state-famous, yeah. and then restaurant quality can go all the way down to your local diner. As we talked about Waffle House. Yeah, it did, yeah. It, it magnified quickly. And what, what about how we talked about little about picture-in-picture, picture, picture, like, when the innovation, if you want to call it that, first came about in the 90s, early 2000s, whenever it was? Oh, like, remember when? Wow, this is the coolest. Remember when you'd go down to somebody's basement, and they'd be like, oh, my dad's got a big picture He's got a big table. And it would just be this big shitty tube TV, yeah. like set up on this big shitty entertainment stand with drawers and a bunch of shitty DVDs and VHSs and a cable box you had to click. You know, it was just this big Turner, Turner big, big ticket, ticket movie. Yeah, just no. That was when Turner was doing dinner in a movie. You know, that was like back in that era. And it's like you'd go back there, and then they would have the big remote. You know, and you would have to fucking figure out. Like where, and then you would see the PIP button, and you wouldn't think you would think it would like do something that turns the TV into a self-aware uh, death machine. But it sure did. Yeah, but it would just like take the channel and make it so small you couldn't see it, and be like, "Oh, go pick another one," you know. So, uh, oh, yeah. Picture and pictures evolved. Um, 
Kind of. Still, Still cashed. cashed. Yeah. Number, Number two, two for me is the Hangman Page arc. Yeah. As, As I, I talked about earlier, it's just been fascinating from the interview where, you know, JR flat out called him out for being drunk and they take it in moderation, my boy, and he was nervous and this and that. And then actually coming out and saving the Young Bucks, which is interesting because. He, he most, most recently cost them in a match. match. Oh, sure. Um, and, and he came out, out stumbled out, could barely stand, as Jericho said, said, but it's all fascinating. I can't wait for Sunday and beyond. Your number one yeah, moment. Well, well, before that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, there, you know, a lot of times, like, you talk about the react structure, like Star Wars, um, A New Hope, where we find out about uh, the Rebellion, the Empire, you know, the Rebellion, like, gets a victory, and the Empire strikes back. You know, the characters reach their lowest point in Act 2. Yep. Like, yep. Act 1, introduction of the characters, Act 2, yep. they're put through challenges, Act 3, they overcome them. Yeah. Um, and I really think Hangman is in Act 2. I think he's yeah, yeah. I think he's kind of just entering Act 2. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to lose to Kenny Omega and truly just go deeper bottom yeah. over these next, next few months. months. Exactly. And I think... Thinking ahead here, I think eventually Kenny Omega will beat John Moxley for the title, and I think eventually Hangman Page will then beat Kenny Omega for the title. That's where I think all of this is heading over the next year. Yeah, and, and like I think that is a completely sensible and appropriate arc for this. Like that is where this character both is and is heading. Yes, you know uh, it's, it's tremendous. It's he's like Schrodinger's motherfucking cat, man. There, there you go. go. Your, Your number, number one. one. Oh man, so. Um, when Orange Cassidy uh, fucking uh, gets on John Silver, and I love John Silver, he's just oh, he's little great. and he just yells and he that joke stuff. He's a muscle dummy. Yeah, and it's uh, but he rules. Yeah, no, I like. Normally, I'd hate a guy like that. Oh, you of know, course. like normally, if John Silver was around <laughs> he me, walked in, in here right life, now. Yeah. Oh lord, like I would just be like, who is this, get this guy out of yeah, here? Yeah, I would just like I instantly don't like this but guy. He is so fucking oh, yeah. tight. In the context of this, yeah. Oh, good old uh, Silver Bells. <laughs> Can't, Can't wait till we get, get to the holiday season I mean, with our boy Johnny. Uh, real quick, I don't even think we've talked about this, but on Being the Elite, the Young Bucks YouTube show, which we'll get into more as we progress in this show, not this episode, but John Silver has really shined on that. Like, honestly, is a large reason why he's getting more television time. They're, they had this whole joke with Chili's. Oh, well, with the restaurant? Yeah, and he came in and he's like, Johnny Hungy! And that just, like, became... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Hungy. So that's become like a funny internet internet meme in this community. Um, but yeah. Okay. So so, he, so, so John Silver's outside the ring, and you see Orange Cassidy walking up the side outside the ring. This is in the main event. And like, this is why I like AEW because they're cinematic, and they like want to like lean into that drama. It's not like they are so hell bent on kayfabe, uh-huh. you know, and. Uh, they just zoom into Orange Cassidy. Like, you know, it's like the cameraman is like me. And, like, I turn over and you just hit the zoom, like, button. That toggle, and it's like, whoop, and it just zooms right into him. And you just know exactly what he's doing. And he's paying, paying back silver yeah. from earlier. Yeah, it is, like, one of the most beautiful things in a story, man, is, like, and this is why I think the Marvel movies have made, like, a zillion dollars, is because you know what's going to happen. But they just know how to capitalize on the anticipatory steps yes. that like build toward that. And that's what happened with that Orange Cassidy thing. And I thought that was my favorite moment of AEW Dynamite November the 4th. And, and that's, that's what, what I, I mentioned, mentioned just, just like, like that, that um, 
private party Young Bucks match. It's like, you know the Young Bucks are going to win, but they made you, they planted that one shred of doubt that they weren't, the anticipatory, as you said. My number one moment was the John Moxley, Eddie Kingston promo. Like, you just don't see shit like that week in and week out. That was intense. That was dramatic. That was family, personal. That yeah, was 15, 15 20, 20 years of shit between, between these two, two and, and I can't, can't fucking wait for the match on Saturday. Um, so, typically, well, actually, let's uh, let's go into what burns your ass, please. So this started from two weeks ago when we were watching our first episode of Dynamite together, and Taz came out and he was talking a whole bunch of shit. I think about Dobby Allen, or as I like to call him, Dorby Orlin. Um, but, but he's, he's like, like, you know what really burns my ass? And burns we're geeking out so hard. It's like, we got to make a segment out of that. Yeah, no, What burns your ass this week? Well, you know, like, I, I imagine Taz at one point, like, sitting on a fire. <laughs> you hear the embers just oh, yeah, lighting just, his yeah. pants Oh, just sizzling the leather. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I'll start and tell you what burns my ass. And Go frankly, I thought this was a great show. So there really wasn't much. If if I had one complaint, and this isn't even necessarily what burnt my ass, but the match quality wasn't the highest. But as we said, right. that's not what you're looking for on a go-home show. You're looking to build the pay-per-view, which what burns my ass is, like our boy Taz said, yeah, exactly. that Brian Cage and Ricky Stocks aren't on the pay-per-view. Yeah. What are they going to be doing? Yeah. They should be out there. Cage is the number one contender. Ricky Starks has been tremendous. Like I said, he's one of the futures of the show. Love him. Sure. Where are they? What are they doing? That burns my ass. It burns your ass. Just like Taz. Whew. How's your ass been burned? Oh, my God. Here's how my ass was burned. This has nothing to do with wrestling. Let's go on. Okay. We don't need to be strictly limited to that. So, uh, you know, um, I was off work today. It was really nice outside, and I'm like, I want to take a long walk uh, to go get coffee, you know. <laughs> so I so I decided to go to this place in Cincinnati called The Fix, which usually I go to this place called The 86. Oh, yeah. I used to go there. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, mean, yeah, yeah. I used to live in that house. Yeah. So, yeah I've and, been to The 86. Yeah, and so, so I usually go there, and I'm like, I need to do something different this time. So I, I used go. to work from The 86. Oh, my amount. God. Yeah. yeah. When I could work before work. When working from home was a true privilege, yeah. I'd go oh. up to The 86. Not yeah, the, the, uh, the 86 is a nice place to work at. Uh, but So I go to The Fix, and um, I walk in, and I'm like, yo, can I get an Americano? Uh and the guy's like, uh, sure, here's how much money it is. And I give him that much money. He's like, your Americano will be out in a little bit. And I go, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't just go, thank you or anything. I just of say, course. of course. All right. So, like, of course my Americano yeah, is going to come out in a little bit. And so I wind up giving giving him $2 because I'm just like, well, shit, I just, like, spat on his effort. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, um Later today, so uh, I, I go to Nippert Stadium, which is where UC football plays. I actually got to watch, watch them practice. I was afraid Luke Fickle was going to come running up the stairs <laughs> and just, like, fucking put me in a headlock. <laughs> you know, but but and, and, but anyway, so I'm sitting there, and I read this book, um, and I get ready to go back, and I see this bar. Uh, it's called Cock and Bull. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, Classic. like, obviously, you know what my brain's thinking. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, yeah. you know, so I go in there, and I uh, order a beer, and I'm like, yeah, I'll finish reading here, and I'll sit there. Um, and I go in, and um, I go up to the bartender, and, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, can I get this October rest? She's like, sure. And she answered me as I give her the money. She's like, thank you. And I go, of course. <laughs> so I just don't get it, man. Like, like, like I, I, apparently I'm stuck on of course. So your own reactions are burning your ass. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't understand. Like, uh, I don't think of course 
is a ter- but but it's just like saying oh thank you obviously yeah yeah Duh, yeah. yeah it's it's like the nicest way of saying that and I'm just waiting for somebody to pick up on that and be like fuck that guy yeah <laughs> you know? kick him out so so uh my my own self burnt my ass today that's tight yeah hell yeah so this is the part where we would typically do our power rankings uh but we're gonna let that simmer and build you know after we get a few power. weeks under our you build know, you have to start the engine but what we're gonna do today instead is quickly since we've already talked through this a lot run through the full gear card Let's and go. make our picks uh-huh. um so That's i'm gonna kind of go in reverse order here okay so number one i have the nwa women's world championship serena deeb or serena jeeb it's like uh, against, against Allison Kay, who is known as Sienna in other realms. I'm going to be honest, I don't know much about either of these women. Um, Serena Deeb had a brief run in WWE as part of the Straight Edge Society with my guy CM Punk. The Straight Edge Society? Oh, yeah. Is, well, it, is, is it what I think it is? Essentially, yeah. Right. We're going to dig into that. We'll dig into that at some point. Right. So we're going to get more into the old WWE shit okay. down the line. But, Excellent. And then Allison K has been an impact in other organizations. Serena Deeb kind of just recently joined AEW. I'm going to pick her to retain here. There's not a whole lot to talk about with this one. Great. Do you, would you agree? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I would probably pick her just because you're picking her. Yeah, yeah probably a pretty good way to uh, to go about it. Yeah, again, like I said, I don't know too much about this one. So I think the champ will retain. And we'll move on to the second match, which was on the buy. So that was on the buy-in, which is the pre-show. This match was on the buy-in, but got moved to the main card. And that is the match of the couple jokesters. No. And that is Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. We've just dug into the whole rivalry. Bo, who do you got in this Oh, my God. Like, this is a really hard one because I think narratively, like, there is no expectation here. Yeah. Um, like kind of just I, got thrown together because they're a couple of jokesters. They are. And, and I think Orange Cassidy's going to win just because he's a bit more popular. And I think, like, that is just going to elicit more reaction. I think Orange Cassidy also wins. John Silver is on the come up, though. Yeah. Number three, the elite deletion match. As we again discussed, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. They've had a blood feud going for several months. Even legitimately on the last pay-per-view, Matt Hardy suffered a concussion, real life. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been intense. They both attacked each other this week. Um, and the elite deletion, we believe, will be more of like a cinematic pre-taped match. Sure, yeah. Probably at the Hardy compound, reminiscent of the final deletion from mm-hmm. Impact Wrestling. That you and I watched a few weeks ago, which was, it's batty, it's insane. So this match is going to be wacky. It's There's going to be weird shit going on. Um, who do you got? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, I want to say Man Hardy. I'm not sure who you think. Like, you know, I want to I give it to you because, like, this I is want you to make your pick here. Oh, man. You can't rely on me every time. Oh, man, I'm going to have to bang on you. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Hardy. Like, even though, like, he, in all the promos, he's been kind of the outside aggressor. I'm going to pick Sammy Guevara here. I think uh, whether he turns face or not, I think this is kind of the start of an ascension for him. Yeah, I, yeah. This is the hard. This it's is a not, tough one to pick. This is honestly the hardest one for me. Orange Cassidy was a little bit easier to pick for me. Um, like, I can almost see that. Yeah. Yeah. Next match, Chris Jericho versus MJF. If MJF wins, he can join the inner circle. We've gone through La Dinner Debonair. We actually didn't talk much about the debate or the town hall that they had, but again, we've we've talked enough 
tonight already. Well, you know what's gonna ha- you know what it was building toward. You know? I think MJF is going to win. I completely agree. I do not know necessarily who is going to turn on who, but as I said earlier, I think it may be Santana, Ortiz, and Hager potentially joining MJF and Wardlow and leaving Sammy and Jericho. But I really don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, and I'm but, excited but, about but, it. But but I am like like you, very confident MJF is going to win. Like that is the most interesting outcome because if Jericho wins, it's just like everybody goes back to the Correct. exact same Correct. place that they were in. It's not going to happen. And, and like you know, that is not what they want storytelling wise. Nope. So yeah, no MJF's definitely winning that. So moving on to the AEW Women's Championship, champion Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose, the former champ. This is a tough one. Um, Sheeta won the belt back in May off Nyla. Um, Nyla's a beast, the native beast. She's tough to beat. She's got Vicky Guerrero on her side right now. I'm going to go with Nyla winning the belt back here. What do you think? I'll probably do this. I mean, I want to pick Sheeta. I love Sheeta. But yeah, uh, uh, with Nyla, with Vicky Guerrero, I think it's time to put the spotlight back. Yeah, I, like, I don't think like, yeah, with, with, with Vicky Guerrero, with her, like. She's going to be on a losing trajectory here. Uh, like yeah. I think that's where the arc's going. And then and, they've uh, really just started featuring her more on oh, TV. Oh, for sure, so for sure. Yeah. We shall see. Next, the AEW World Title Eliminator Finals. Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. We've talked about it at length. I've already said Kenny Omega is going to win, and he's eventually going to go on to win the world title. Your thoughts? Hard for him that too. I mean, like... He has just a centrality to him as a character that... Uh, it's time for him to rise. Yeah, it is. And, like, I mean, like, people already know who he is. Um, which, actually, that, too, is the one reason why I think, you know, they could kind of be a bit subversive with this. But, no, they're, it, it's not going to be Hangman. It's, it's not gonna Kenny's be, time. It's not going to be the guy who drinks is going to, you know... He's like, got to hit the rock bottom before he comes yeah, back yeah, up, Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he does. So, I think, like, losing this is probably going to be a part of that arc. So, I mean... Yeah, I have to go with Kenny Omega. Next, the TNT Championship, Cody versus Darby Allen. They've had a few matches already. They had a 20-minute draw last year that surprised a lot of people. Um, but Cody has then beaten Darby Allen twice since. He beat him in the inaugural TNT Championship tournament, and he beat him on... Um, or no, he beat him on... Anyway. Okay, yeah. Um, what do you think? He beat him twice. I think Darby wins. I really do think it is the time for him to come up. Um, they've been building him strongly. He gets crowd, strong crowd reactions, especially pre-COVID when they had full crowds. Like The fans love this guy. Uh-huh. He's weird. He's an enigma. Um, but he's small and wiry and can jump and fly around, and he's really exciting. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Cody did just win the belt back from Mr. Brody Lee, who I wish was on this card, but we're going to talk about him a lot amongst this show. Sure. Uh, but I think it's Darby's time. Yeah. You know, I thought that, that you know, obviously Cody, 10-pole. Ten 10-pole. Ten you know, Without but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I just don't think you have Cody beat him three times in a row. There is, yeah. there is no purpose no narrative purpose to that. Yep. Like, you know, you might as well cut Darby Allen out of AEW entirely. Like, if Cody beats him three... Like, you yeah. know, it just does not make narrative sense. I agree. That's why I think it's Darby's time. 
The semi-main event, or we think FTR, AEW Tag Team Championship, FTR versus the Young Bucks. If the Young Bucks lose, they cannot challenge for the AEW Tag Team Championships again, which is the same stipulation Cody had for the AEW title when he lost Jericho. I don't like that. But, Bo, we talked about this a lot off-air, not as much on, but this is a literal dream match. This is a match marks and insane people like me have been waiting for sure. for five, six, seven years. Uh-huh. FTR were the mark tent poles of the tag team division in WWE, but they really even held it down more in NXT because WWE is largely incompetent. Yeah. But they were able to do what they could do on NXT. They were fucking incredible. Yeah. The Young Bucks, the Indies, New Japan, self-made. You know, we could go on all day whether you like them or not. Uh, they are the main one of the main reasons this oh. company exists. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and that wrestling know. is in the place it's at. People know who they are, yeah. They've had social media feuds. They've, you know, ripped on each other over the years. I don't know how much of that is real and how much of the their friend like there's that air of mystery to it. It's great. Uh-huh. I don't know what the hell's going to happen in this match. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah this especially is because yeah. of the stipulation. It's interesting that they're doing this match as the young bucks are kind of turning heel and FTR is heels. The build has not been as good as I think well, I and others would have liked it, uh-huh. but the match is going to deliver. I'm sure it's going to go north of 30 minutes. It's mm. going to be epic. I'm going to go with the Young Bucks here just because I don't know why or how they would overcome the stipulation that Cody is already having with the AEW title. Their heels, they could just say, oh, we can, you know, screw that. We can challenge for it because we're EVPs of the company. They can do that. But that's not great storytelling. I'm going to go with the Young Bucks, even though I kind of wish FTR would win. I'm going to go with FTR. All right. Man. Love um, it. You know, I think Young Bucks will always be around. And I don't think that, like, losing this match is going to be this destruction of their uh, characters. So, uh, I don't know. I think, you know, I mean, FTR is very classic. FTR is oh, very, uh, really, school, like, like, like very Yaleman. They yeoman. are. Oh, they are fucking yeoman. Yeah, they're yeoman. Like they are very, you know, uh, workman, clock, workman-like. They're they're the clock in, clock out. They're grinders. Uh, yeah, you're, man, they're your lunch pail team. They are. They're and, bringing um, their lunch to work every day. Well, you know, in like, if you're gonna make Eddie Kingston lose, I don't know if you're gonna make these guys lose. It's all I'll say. And there's our segue into the main event, the AEW World Championship I Quit match. Your champion, and not even mentioned Cincinnati native, and I'm wearing his fucking shirt right now, John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. I think everyone knows where we both stand on this. We've talked about it a lot. I think John Moxley is going to win. Again, the I quit stipulation will make things fascinating and interesting. Um, Moxley's going to win. It wouldn't shock me if they swerved with Eddie Kingston, but I'm sticking with Mox. It wouldn't shock me if they swerved with Eddie Kingston either, but it's going to add a lot more to his character if he loses. Exactly. Like, it's going to add a lot more Absolutely. of what fuels him if he Similar loses. And, and there and there will be another match. He ain't going to go away. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think, it, like, in terms of anticipation building and continuing this story, um, I think you make Moxley win. Yep. So, uh, so I'll go with Moxley. And there we go. There's our full gear picks. Here is a word from our sponsors. <clears throat> All right. So we do want to dive a little bit more into the Turner umbrella, the tent pole, the tarp, the awning, as we've called it, because we do want to 
talk about these movies or shows or whatever because we think it's funny and interesting and we think you may think it is as well they're pretty movies and last week when the a-team was on you know we got to geek out about it and realize like this movie's got a great cast but it kind of sucks and it stars quentin rampage jackson the ufc Uh, fighter well like it, it just made me upset a little bit that like he wasn't like yelling and screaming. Yeah, and I pity. Pretty full. calm, like, Mr. You know, T. Like I would have even been more content with him doing a bad impression of Mr. Mm-hmm. T than him just being like all sedate like he was. Like that was the weird thing about it. I agree. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like it was just so. It was just like another. And we caught the last what movie. 10, yeah. 12 minutes, yeah, which yeah, that's yeah, all we're gonna dive into these. Yeah, yeah. But but it it was a crazy <clears throat> ass cast. It, like you had Liam Neeson and Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a There's really others. big cast. But, like, you know, I I don't know. I think they, like, the people who probably went and saw that movie don't really remember the A-Team. And, like, I don't remember the A-Team. Yeah. I'm 32. You know. Uh, but well, you uh, know it well enough. Yeah, yeah. But but I think a lot of people who went to see it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to see this action thriller. Yep. You know, versus, like, womp, Mr. Womp, T. Womp. Yeah, versus, like, Mr. T yelling shit. Yeah, versus you know, Diaper Boy Mr. T. Which which was what I wanted. Like, a, something a bit more bombastic. But, like, I don't know. That happened when, like, 2013, 2014? It was 2010, maybe? Ooh, okay. Cookie, it was cookie-cutter bullshit. Yeah, it was definitely. So, and, 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 you know, like... That's before they, you know, recognize, like, oh, yeah, let's really lean into the silliness of this. For sure. Like, I feel like movies have been able to do that in the past five years. So, we talked about this week's films a little bit, and I don't think that we really even need to go too much more into The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. But, yeah, we, 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 uh, we, we definitely have clips of our reactions, so... Uh... We'll hear some of them. Yeah, we may splice that in, but what we really want to discuss right now and what really got our blood boiling was last week when we didn't know. So we are trying to keep these, like, hidden so we don't know what to expect. Oh, yeah, yeah. That we're like, shit, what's going to be on after Dynamite tonight? And you see commercials for these big-ticket movies on Turner, and you're like, is this it? Is this it? And you see the pod racing scene. And then we're like, And then you hear the... We're fired up, because Star Wars Episode One. Bucks. And anyone who says otherwise is incorrect. I'm, I'm so cool with it. Like, like it, it's just funny. It rules. Yeah. So, and then it's like, coming up next. And we're like, I think there was a loud, oh, audible, yeah, a yeah! Oh, yeah, yeah, I think Lee came downstairs. Yeah, my roommate Lee came down. He was fired up. We started slugging beers a little more. Like, we... Bo ended up sleeping on my couch because we were got we got oh, so yeah, fired up about this. I didn't have to work the next day. It was cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, Star Wars Episode One is great. Um, how about those Mountain Dew, Pepsi, Pepsi One, Diet Pepsi Man, cans? Like, like my grandpa had this big in the ground swimming pool when we were kids, and uh, you know it was not just our family, but a lot of people who would come out there. Yeah, and the neighborhood. Um, well, I just remember everyone would have like here's some Reese's cups, here's some like you know Oscar Mayer meat and some yep. bread, and let's make some sandwiches. Yep. And there were always Star Wars Episode One cans, and I remember my cousin kept the Episode One Anakin one, and I kept them all. I drank them. Was Anakin a Pepsi guy? He, oh, he was number one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I think Obi-Wan was number two. Yeah, that seems And then Qui-Gon, right. yeah. I think they were... Qui-Gon was a Mountain Dewer. Oh, no, no, I think Obi-Wan's a Mountain Dewer. Oh, well, let's look it up. Let's find it. So, yeah, go on about the, the cousin's house. Oh, man. But, no, no, my grandpa. So, no, no, grandpa? We, no, we would, we would dig up tons of those. Um, But it would only be Pepsi Mountain Dew because someone drank Diet Pepsi and Pepsi One. So, we would go to the uh, marathon in the area. And uh, they had they didn't have twelve packs of Pepsi One, 
So there wasn't a random assortment. You had to like get individual ones. You would get C three PO, and you'd be like, oh, "Fuck, brutal." So yeah. I can confirm Qui Gon was a Pepsi guy, and Obi Wan was a Mountain yeah, Dew. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, so what's the order? So Anakin's one. Then it's Sabalba. <laughs> Ches- no Chescu Sabalba. It's Sabalba. He's a hell of a fucking pod racer, though. Yeah. So we hope you and the audience out there remember these. Uh, it was Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Pepsi One, and Diet Pepsi. Whatever year Episode One came out, like 1999. That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah. Like these were prominent in the fucking world. Yeah. And we started talking about these and just geeking out about it, and we of course pulled it up. And sure. Oh, we were just having a hoot. So I'll keep going. So it's one Anakin, two Sabalba. What? So three was Qui Gon, four was Watto. Really. Five Jabba the Hut. Five Jabber the Hut. Jabber the Hut. <laughs> Six our boy Senator Palpatine. Seven R two D two and eight Darth Sidious. That's our Pepsi squad. I, I I think I had some Darth Sidious ones. So I, we will tell you it's not going to be this episode, but probably next week we're yeah. gonna or guess we're gonna start comparing our AEW people in Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Pepsi. Yeah, one, yeah. Diet who's going to belong on one cans based on the this uh, marketing uh, strategy <laughs> from PepsiCo? Because we from were... 1999, yeah, it's going to be fun. From, from PCO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we were... Before we looked up the imagery, we were talking about who was on which, and we could remember some, and yeah. some we mixed up. But it was just real fun talking about it. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So <laughs> the Mountain Dewers, you got Darth Maul... Misha Jar Jar Binks, Mace Windu, Obi-Wan, as I mentioned, Captain Panaka, our boy, Rune Hako of the Viceroy, and then everybody's favorite, Rick Oli, or Oli, however it's pronounced, and then the Destroyer droid. That little droid fixed it. (laughs) Rick Oli had about one moment in the, what did he say? I can't. Hands up or something. (laughs) Shields up or something. Shields up. That droid, that little droid fixed yeah. it. You know, yeah. And he got his own can. And, and Mountain like, Dew and to like boot. the description of Rick Ole is the description of what he does in that exact scene. Plotting and piloting an unarmed spacecraft, Rick helps Queen Amidala and her small entourage escape Naboo during the Trade Federation invasion. That's all he does in the yeah. whole film. So quickly to the... Is it? It's hard to tell on these. Were the women diet Pepsi? Uh, um, some of them were like yeah, uh, so uh, like Amidala. So on it's there. Queen Amidala, Padme, Smee Skywalker, and Battle Droid are the diet Pepsis, and then our ba- fa- Battle Droid, and then our favorite Pepsi oneers. Oh, and and these are the people like like a oneer, you know, is gonna be. We'll let you build the definition in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Chancellor it's, Valorum, C three PO. I don't. Is it Newt Gunray? Oh, of that's the, the Viceroy. Viceroy. I couldn't the, even that's, read that's, it. That's the Viceroy. And then our boy, Boss Naz. <laughs> so there's your cans. We had a lot of fun um, over a few beers, really digging into these. I wish it was a few Pepsis. <laughs> that'd oh, be man. getting that'd be getting things a little if crazy. We're, if we were some Pepsi ones, man, uh, we'd have to call Ubers. Maybe we should get some Crystal Pepsis. Ooh, yeah. Oh, sure, that. Or Pepsi Blue. Oh fuck! Hi. What about PepsiCo? I don't oh, know. Coca Cola is better. Who are we? Kidding? Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a thousand percent. But these cans were great. Um, we hope all of you enjoy these cans and 
Pepsi One. And I think all of you Episode One and Pepsi One. And AEW and us talking about wrestling. And the Brain Busters. Yeah, and the Brain Busters. So, Brain Busters, as we mentioned, was the name of the tag team, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, who are both now managers in AEW, so that makes sense. The Brain Buster is also a move. Um, and the vertical drop brain buster is the finishing move of my boy Tomohiro Ishii in Japan. Baby. So brain buster, it's a wrestling term, but it's also not. We're here to bust your fucking brains with quality content and laughs. And, and some analysis. And, and idiocy. Yeah, and and, and, uh, and poo-poo pee-pee. And jokes. And jokes. <laughs> So that's been this episode of the Brain Buster Boys. Uh, Until we come up with a catchphrase, come back and we're going to bust your fucking brain. Yeah, don't be jobbers out there. Don't be jobbers. Be Marks. Sweetheart. Stay Marky, sweetheart. Be good. Bye-bye. Love you. (laughs) What do you think? Very good. Rick Flair, you have made world. Put that cigarette out.